Awesome. Good morning, New Cove. Boy, it's good to see you guys again. And I love that some of you guys could go on forever uh, greeting one another, and then others of us are like, no, no, this is good. We're good. We're good. Uh, hey, uh, this is an exciting day. Uh, I'm super excited about what we get to talk about today. Uh, for those of you guys uh, watching online, you're going to need just a few things. You're going to need several building blocks. So go ahead and find these. These happen to have been my favorite toy as a, as a, uh, a child at the bowling alley uh, little preschool area. So, so you're going to need a box of those. All right. Hey, uh, <clears throat> guys, I'm so excited to be able to, uh, to be here again. I'm going to pick up kind of where we left off uh, last week and just hop right back in. Because we were, we were in 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, and we had just started the chapter, and so I want to touch on just a couple of things. But before we do that, uh, let me just give you a, a quick update uh, for you. Uh, it sounds like uh, Karen is doing great. Uh, she, should be, she should be cleared and, and good to go on Monday to be able to, uh, to go back to uh, life as normal. Yeah, actually. Um, and I know... They would, of course, want me to say this. I know uh, of, of situations that all of us are experiencing, whether that's uh, having had COVID ourselves or a loved one or whatever. Uh, just thank you for praying and, and for being a part of that. Uh, I want to go ahead and pray uh, for any uh, folks that are, are uh, fighting illnesses or, uh, or just hard situations, and then we'll go ahead and get started. God, thank you so much for this morning. Thanks for an opportunity to be able to come together. Thank you that you go before us. Thank you that you love us and that you care for us. God, we, we thank you for, uh, for healing Karen <clears throat> and, uh, and for keeping uh, Tim healthy as well through that. God, certainly we pray for uh, every individual who's, who's experienced uh, illness or loss or hardship God, I pray that you would be near to them. I pray that they would know your comfort and your love for them. Uh, God, we love you, and we pray these things in your awesome name. All right, so uh, we left off last week in 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, 1 through 3, talking about, talking about the things that we're called to cast off. Uh, those things interfere with our ability to fully experience God. So our sinful self-centeredness will continue to rule if we let it. Unless the seed, is spirit, the seed of spiritual life is nourished because what we feed grows. That's what we were talking a little bit about. Uh, verse 2 says, Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. Now that you have, taste, now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness... So I also looked at the, at the message translation, which I love, and it just simply says, you've had a taste of God. When you experience that taste of God, there's really no argument needed. Just cry out uh, for nourishment. Uh, what we take in is actively framing the way that we think and then live. What you feed grows and what you starve goes, or what, what you starve goes. Uh, here's what's happened. Our news and media sources have moved from informing us to transforming us. Excuse me. Uh, What we feed our minds reveals itself in our actions. This is why it's so important to continually take inventory 
of what we're allowing to influence us. Uh, when it comes to following Jesus, we can't afford to hit autopilot and then uh, and think we're going to continue going higher and further in our purpose. To do what God has called us to do and to be who he's made us to be, we need to let his words frame our thoughts, influence our hearts, and be the power that propels us. So if you're not, if you're not catching on to what I'm trying to say here, I'm saying that we need to establish a habit of getting into God's word and being in community with other believers. So you guys, you might think about like, what is something that, that another believer has, has said to me that's been an encouragement to me to be able to help me to get in, uh, in God's word? And I hope that you might have some things where maybe you've rubbed shoulders with someone and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to try that. Early on in my faith, uh, I had a buddy that was way further down the road than me, and, and he told me that, because uh, I was like, dude, I just, I don't know, I don't have time in the morning, or I'm not really interested in reading the Bible in the morning. And he said, you know, <clears throat> one thing that, that I tried doing is uh, not eating physical food until I've had spiritual food. And I was like, huh? <laughs> and so, so that was something that I tried for a season. Uh, I've kind of set that aside now, but, uh, but just little things that can propel us. Things like uh, another older gentleman that I used to uh, just work alongside told me, hey, sometimes I will read liturgy, and that helps me to, uh, to be able to experience God more, more closely. Or sometimes I will sing, or here's a Bible reading plan that I do. But as we come together and we encourage one another in our faith, then we propel one another forward. So, in fact, what if I told you uh, that there's an opportunity to grow coming up like Katie said, not this Wednesday, but the Wednesday after that, November 3rd, uh, it's three weeks being able to look at an overview of the Bible and to do so in community, to gain an understanding. Maybe you've been somebody that's like, man, the, the Bible is just daunting to me. I don't, I don't know what to do with it. Uh, this would be a great opportunity for you to come be a part of a class setting and just learn an overview and then maybe get to talk about how do I interact with the Bible? How can I help uh, to move closer to Jesus so that what is informing me is God's word and not things on the outside. So lastly, simply ask, what is motivating my action today? If it's God's word, boom, continue moving forward. Uh, if it's news, politics, or even sports, maybe it's time to, to check yourself. So here's where Peter starts to make a hard turn. We're going to go into verses 4 through 10, again, in 1 Peter chapter 2. He takes a quick metaphor turn uh, from nourishment to construction, which is great because I'm a real handy guy. Uh, as long as you don't need square or level, I'm glad to help. So verse 4 goes like this. It says, As you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him. The language as you come to him, I love it. It's active, continual. It means to trust, to emulate, to be like Jesus. As we continue to the, to the next passage, uh, where we're going to start talking with, with verse 5, here's what I want you to fight against. Uh, sometimes we will, well, when we read the word you, we think, like, that's me, right? That's what I'm talking about. So as I look into this, when we read uh, the rest of this passage, I want you to think of you as in 
Here in the Midwest, we would say, you guys. So us, me, I'm included in that as well. Uh, I did talk to uh, my Southern linguist friend, <clears throat> Dr. Tim Johnson, uh, to find out that we'd be talking about y'all. Not necessarily all y'all, but because it's a, it's a specific group. So as we read this next passage, y'all is the you guys that Peter is talking to. Got that? So this is an us kind of situation as we, as we roll through. Um, verse 5 says, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. <clears throat> let, me, uh, let me just give you a, an overview here of, of what's happening. Um, so as we read this, I'm going to grab a few blocks here. And I was just, blo- just joking, if you're at home, you don't really need blocks. I just thought, well, that'd be funny. Okay, so the rest of this passage is going to start to talk about Jesus as the cornerstone, the living stone and the cornerstone. And, and I'll talk a little bit more about what that, the importance of that cornerstone is, but we go based off of one stone. Here's the picture that I want you to get. When you read the rest of this, if you're reading just singularly, which I believe a lot of our culture does, then you're talking about Jesus, the cornerstone, and yourself, whatever color box you'd like to be is just fine, and just trying to line yourself up to the cornerstone. And then you're, you're just doing that. And then maybe there's another family or group of people that are just doing this over here, and they're trying to line up. But that's not what we're going for here. When we talk about us being living stones, we're talking about, we're talking about Kevin being a living stone, Keith being a living stone, we're talking about John being a living stone, and Cindy being a living stone. And we're stacking up these living stones based on the cornerstone. So I just want you to have that mental image uh, set in there, because sometimes I feel like we're just trying to just, me and, me and my, my homie Jesus, just, just uh, trying to align our lives here. But really, it's about all of us together. And I'll get to the point of why, we would, uh, why that's important here in just a second. Okay, verse 6. For, <clears throat> excuse me, for in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe... The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, uh, which is also what they were destined for. So Jesus uh, is the living stone, the cornerstone. Jesus is the foundational, unchanging, solid, dependable cornerstone. You have the word living, and we see that he's active uh, in our world today. A cornerstone is usually the longest and most carefully crafted stone. Uh, It's the first stone laid. It becomes the reference point for all other stones that are laid. Everything finds its definition from the one piece, from the one cornerstone. We all find uh, find that definition. 
That's how you know if, if it's straight and true, if it aligns with the cornerstone. That's how you know if you are on the right track, if it aligns with the cornerstone. That's how you know uh, if you're deviating from the original intent of the structure. If it doesn't line up with the cornerstone, it all comes down to the cornerstone. It is the rock upon which the entire structure is built, and Jesus is the cornerstone. All we do and believe will be based on Jesus, the cornerstone. Every measurement, every angle is aligned to, that's right, Jesus, the cornerstone. And as I said, as we're stacking those, we're stacking those as, as all of us individuals uh, along that. So as we read in the passage, it says, uh, it's clear that this stone uh, is rejected by men. Uh, Jesus is cast off by people who choose not to believe in him. Tangibly rejected by those in the crowd who chanted, crucify him. Amazingly, Jesus' willingness to be rejected allows us to have a relationship with him. So you are being built into a spiritual house. Not a wall, by the way, but a spiritual house. You, us, we are being built into that. Hashtag third way life. Remember that from last week? Not, we're not called to separate ourselves out from the culture. We're not called to just fully embrace the culture and then form our religious beliefs based on what we experience in culture. But we're called to live out our faith in the midst of culture so that we can be, so that we can construct a spiritual house um, for the purpose of becoming a royal priesthood. I'm going to talk about that here in just a second. Offering spiritual sacrifices, which means to live a holy, self-giving life. So verse 9, but you, that's you all, y'all, are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his light. Now we're given an identity. Uh, What we do flows out of who we are, and any role comes with responsibility. So the identities that we're given, you are a a royal priesthood. A priest stands between a needy people and a holy God. They advocate not their own position, but for the needs of the people. They bring a lost world to faith in Christ I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time here, but if, you want to, if you're like intrigued, uh, this is something great to look up, is to look up royal priesthood. Why are those two words put together, and what's the meaning? What goes into that? Why is that important? Uh, it would be a great thing for you to be able to look into and, and research if you're like, hey, I want to go next level, Troy. What's that, what's that look like? Um, as a royal priesthood, we need to ask, am I making it easier or harder for people to get up close to Jesus? The second thing, you're a holy nation. Israel was called to be uniquely holy and reveal a holy God. Now we've been given uh, that calling through Jesus. Also, you're a people belonging to God, the body of Christ. Together, uh, we have many different strengths and giftings. We are called to declare the praises of the one who Uh, called you out of the darkness into his wonderful life. Another translation says, declare the excellencies of him, meaning to witness the greater, the greatness of the one true creator redeemer, to live and speak the good news. 
we don't have to generate the light. Uh, we just have to reflect the light. So years ago, I was at this conference, and I heard uh, Louis Giglio speak. And Louis Giglio spoke about, uh, <clears throat> spoke about us reflecting God's light. And he used the example of the moon. Maybe some of us noticed the moon this last week. It was brilliant. The moon is a lifeless rock in the sky, but when aligned in the light, it becomes magnificent. That's who we are to be, is to align our lives with Jesus so that we can reflect his light. We don't have to generate that light. Wouldn't it be awesome if those who are not followers of Jesus would be able to look toward Christians and see God's fully reflected light? Wouldn't that be amazing? If people would peer in here to New Cove as a group of people who have stacked their stones together and they would see this reflected light. Which, by the way, if, if you're making your spiritual house nice and tight and small, then we're missing out on an opportunity to be able to be more reflective. The more, the more folks that we are able to stack here as living stones, the larger the mass of reflected light. Uh, verse 10, this is where I love this. You were once here and now you're here. Verse 10 says, Once you were not a people, now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. This is a reference, by the way, to Hosea, uh, when the Israelites began breaking covenant lifestyles and using uh, idolatry. Uh, They were worshiping Baal uh, and using God's name. They were trusting in political alliances instead of God himself. God now extends his hand beyond the Israelites now that uh, now all that trust him are his people. Also, Jesus, the living cornerstone, brought about a new day for all people to have a relationship with God. We have received mercy. So, uh, how do we, as a royal priesthood, a holy nation, reflect the light of Christ? How are we going to do that? Well, you guys, it starts with us, with y'all. Together, we're going to do that. Instead of engaging in our antagonistic uh, culture, speak of the differences Jesus has made. I used to be this way. I used to think this way. Now I think or do this. Um, what is it? What change has God generated in your own heart and in your life? How is before you aligned your life to Christ different than after you aligned your life to Christ? Uh, once I was not a people, now I am. Or once I was not aligned with the cornerstone, but God's mercy changed me. What does that look like? So as a whole, uh, we have an individual responsibility to model, uh, live holy lives so that people will see the difference based on the light that you reflect. We have an individual responsibility to declare the praises of God with our lives. We have a corporate responsibility. Uh, We are intended to be lights. If we come together as a royal priesthood, a holy nation, people belonging to God, we create a large pile of God's reflected light, an awesome spiritual house. And I love that picture of us building a spiritual house together and aligning our lives. So what should we reflect? Reflect the cornerstone, that which is unchanging, Our lives should align individually and corporately with the cornerstone to reflect who he is. An interesting activity uh, 
is to think individually and corporately, what is it that I'm reflecting? When we do this well, we shine on the unchanging cornerstone. Often, this means we must be vulnerable and humble. Some might say genuine faith and authentic relationships bring about meaningful impact. I think those words are written out there uh, in our gathering area, that we would have genuine faith, authentic relationships, and lead toward meaningful impact. Just think, if, all, if we all took individual responsibility to line up our stone with the cornerstone and then bring those stones together to build a spiritual house, if we all show individual, individually what Christ has done in our own lives and how we've experienced his grace, his mercy, his hope, his direction, we'd reflect a little light. But when we come together doing those things as a royal priesthood, then we go from having a tiny, tiny light to a massive light, an opportunity to be able to, to make a change. Also, as we do that uh, together, I know we're going to be disappointed I didn't use all my blocks, huh? Um, as we do that together and we come together in community, the community of New Covenant Community Church, and we align ourselves, it helps us to be able to know when we're getting out of line because we have other people to help us uh, to do that. And they can help us to, to turn ourselves and line back up and make sure that we're being informed and transformed by Jesus, that we're remembering what Jesus has done in our lives. So as Jesus prayed in John 17, verses 17 through 18, it says, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. Jesus first transforms us and then he transforms the world through us. This means that uh, while you might not, uh, while you may, might not do what the world does, Christ's power rests on you to be his example before the world you're living in. It's what he does. You don't have to manufacture the light that's attractive to others. Rather, his love for you will change you, from, will change you as you receive it empowering you to love him and to love others well, to reflect his light. Jesus knows your past better than you do. So he knows your education, your experiences, as well as your sins and failures. As a result, he can be trusted to utilize your life in ways that take the greatest advantage of your past experiences for his glory and our good. You can share what God has done in your past with others to reflect his light. Jesus also knows your present better than you do. So he knows your gifts, your skills, your resources, as well as your shortcomings and challenges. As a result, he can be trusted to utilize your life in ways that take the greatest advantage of your present opportunities for his glory and for our good. What are you presently experiencing that can bring peace and comfort, and mercy to those around you. Jesus knows your future better than you do. So he knows the people he's, he's already preparing for you in ministry. He knows the doors he's opening and closing, the opportunities 
tomorrow for which he's equipping you today. As a result, he can be trusted to utilize your life in ways that take the greatest advantage of your future service for his glory and for our good. What uncertainties are you experiencing and how can those be leveraged to reflect God? One of the, uh, the awesome things here is that God does make a change in each of us. And, and as a result of uh, when, we, when we talk about Jesus transforms us first, us individually, us corporately, and then he uses that to transform the world. What I'd like for you guys to think about, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to be a part of this, uh, there, are, there are these little long pieces of paper and I'd love for you to take one of these and a pen. And what I want you to think about is, what did your life look like before it was aligned with God? So this is kind of a reflective activity. And so you're going to write that down. What did it look like before it aligned with God? What was my life like before Jesus? What was I trusting? What was that about? And then a slash, a barrier. What is it that you've experienced since then? So... Because I have a microphone, I get to kind of tell you this, and the worship team is also going to be able to, uh, to set up theirs um, and show us what, what theirs looks like. So I have this poster board over here. And guys, it was so hard. We wanted to put poster boards on everybody's chairs, but then we thought, oh my gosh, that's going to get really challenging. That's, that's funny right there. So I had an opportunity when I, was, uh, when I was in high school to hear the gospel for the first time. That was the first time that God opened my ears to that. And once I recognized that, that Jesus had set me free from my sin and that I could have a relationship with him, the biggest change that I recognized was that before that, I was so unsure of myself. You guys, I lacked, I lacked so much confidence. And the time that I recognized the difference that, that Jesus had made in my life. I was driving to a high school volleyball game as a high school kid. And you guys, that would never have happened before. Never would I have gone someplace by myself because I was so unsure of myself. I needed to have people with me. So I had such uncertainty. And I remember looking over in the passenger seat. And I don't know, I might have even given him a little nod like that. But I was like, Jesus, he's rolling with me. And as a result... Uh, recognizing that uh, I went from being unsure of myself to one of the biggest changes that God made in my life was that I was filled with confidence and purpose. So before I aligned my life with Christ, I was super unsure of who I am. After doing so, there's so many things that happened, uh, but the big ones that stand out to me was that I was filled with confidence and purpose. Those sheets that you have, uh, you're going to see the worship band come up here, and I love the picture of it because when they come up here, they're going to show you their, uh, their change. You're going to have a chance to look at that, and then uh, they're going to play a song together. So it's actually stacking those living stones together uh, to be able to, uh, for God to use us to reflect his light. So you'll get some ideas from, from the people here. Uh, the other thing that we're doing with those uh, little little sheets of paper is we're going to collect them at the end of the service, and you don't have to sign your name to them or anything like that, but uh, there's going to be baskets at the doors, and we want to gather those because we're going to make chains 
of all those long strips of paper. And they're going to become a part of the backdrop that we'll use during the Advent season uh, as we lead up to Christmas. And so to be able to look at a backdrop that's filled with God's transformation in our own lives. So think about that as the worship team shows us there.